Welcome to the CMC Podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to be a doer of the Word. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Josh Barnett. It's an honor to be a part of this church. This is like family to me. This is, uh, I don't ever look at myself as like someone getting up here and putting on a show or a performance for you. I just look up here as like I'm at the head of the table and I get to share a word with everybody that came to eat today. It's not... I don't ever feel like I'm getting up to, to give a speech or anything like that. Man, I just, I want to open God's word and I want to share with you something that he's doing or done in my life and what he, and, and prophesy into what he's going to do. That's the only reason that, that I get up here and do. And man, this is, it, it, it is literally all about Jesus. And if it was just, I'd never care how many people are here. If more people are here, awesome. If less people are here, awesome, man. I would love if it was just, if it, all I need is, is two people where two or more are gathered. He's there. The Holy Ghost is here today, and he wants to encounter you today through his word. He wants to encounter you through what we might have to worship some more at the end. I don't know if Lucas ran away from his guitar or not, but I might have to call him back up here here in a little bit. Um, but today, I actually, I, w- I want to talk to you about the jealousy of God. I want to talk to you about the jealousy of Jesus. Um, <laughs> if you've ever been in a relationship, you've probably experienced feelings of jealousy. Um, I remember just being young and, and seeing Sarah for the first time, and... Uh, we were actually, we were joking around with our kids about this yesterday, and I was talking about how the moment I saw her, I, I, I knew I was going to marry her, um, and uh, we we're just messing around, and it's just neat to share your love story with your kiddos, and, and uh, but I, I remember just the, the, I was 20, so a lot of immaturity that was going on, and, uh, <laughs> you know, attraction is natural, maturity has to be learned, right? Um <laughs> When I first started dating Sarah, I was so jealous, man. Like, you know, she would come home and say, like, oh, like the, the cashier at Walmart said this to me. And I was like, did he now? Did he say that? <laughs> did he, right? I was, like, I was like at the gym, and this guy asked if he could use my bench. And I said, I bet he did ask. I bet, you know. And, uh, you know, there were so many, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like there were so many li- just like little jealous things that, that, that would come up in me. And, and obviously, you know, jealousy in that sense is, is sinful where we're, we're, we, we, we are coveting something or wanting something. But, but I was so like smitten by her, man. I, I thought about her all the time. And so I wanted to be all that she thought about naturally. And, but in any time I, I was jealous for her attention, right? I was jealous for her affection. Like I, I, I was, I was a little bit obsessive. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and obviously we're like that a lot. And in, in yet, well, I guess even maybe an older love too, but, you know, we, we hear the word jealousy and then we read in scripture that says our God is jealous and we're like, well, I thought jealousy was, you know, I thought jealousy was sinful. Jealousy that's rooted in fear and envy and insecurity and pride is sinful, but there is a righteous jealousy. Just like anger can be righteous, jealousy can be righteous. And, and actually I can be health, I can have a healthy jealousy for my wife now. Um, a healthy jealous, jealousy would look like what's wanting what, wanting what's best for her. A healthy jealousy would, would be looking like protecting her. A healthy jealousy uh, would be look like me winning, you know, pursuing her heart, constantly trying to win her heart so that no one else does. It's free for all you, the husbands out there. So, BTW next Sunday is Mother's Day, so don't miss church service because you had to go buy flowers because you forgot. <laughs> um, and so that, you know, that's a healthy jealousy. And, I, and so I believe that obviously we can operate in some healthy jealousies, but I, I really want to focus on the jealousy of God this morning because our God is a jealous God. It says it all through scripture. Exodus 34, 14 actually says that his very name is jealous. 
His very name is jealous. And his jealousy is not rooted in insecurity, it's rooted in perfect love. You look at the, you look at the first four commandments, right? Don't worship any gods before me. Don't make any idols. Don't take my name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. A day apart to worship and honor me. So that we see those first four commandments there are all about worshiping God. They're all about him. So the first four things that he, that he, that he holds the highest priority to tell Moses, tell the Israelites is worship me honor me. And if you look at Exodus, after he lists those four in verse five, he gives the reason why. He says, because I am a jealous God. Because I'm a jealous God, that's why these first four, the first four, you go to Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, it says a teacher comes to, comes to Jesus and said, he's trying to trap him, but he says, what's the greatest law that we have? And Jesus responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these, all the law and the prophets hold, Right? And, and so if that's the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, it, you know, uh, there's a reason why that's the first commandment. The, re- the reason why the first four ten commandments are all about God. The reason why is because that's what he desires. That's what he longs for is for our love. He so longs for our love that he sent his son Jesus. He so longs for closeness with us that he has forgiven us and washed us clean so that his spirit could live on the inside of us. I actually... I had this epiphany the other day. I don't know why. You know how you know something, but you don't like know something and know something or you forget about it and then it like hits you in the face. I was praying, but I was praying like that God was like, like I was talking to my father who was like far away. Like I was just like saying something to him and I was, and, and Holy Spirit reminded me like, I'm in you. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm not far away. You're not begging to get my attention. You have it all, all the time. And that's why Romans 8 says that, that our spirit communes with his spirit. Now, it's constantly connecting Abba Father to us, telling me that I'm his child. He's jealous for us. He's so jealous for us that he went to the cross so that we could have unhindered, uninhibited relationship with us. He's jealous for us. He burns with desire for us. Our love is his greatest desire Our love brings him the most glory. Our love brings him the most glory. The the reason that he's jealous for us is because he's what's best for us. God is what's best for us. God is the designer. He designed life to work a certain way. He's the creator. And, and, And so the reason that he sets everything else up to not satisfy our hearts is because None of those things will satisfy us like he does. I think think about Jeremiah chapter two. Jeremiah chapter two, uh, the the Lord is talking through Jeremiah and he tells the Israelite people, do you remember remember when we were in love? Do you remember when you were my bride? Do you remember when we were close and we had this relationship? And he says, what other nation, he's talking to them, what other nation has ever traded their God for other gods? And he says, only you. You're the only nation that's traded your God for other gods, and I'm the one true God. And then he says, the, the nations, or not the nations, the heavens, the angels are appalled. They're shocked at what people are doing, that, they're, that the Israelites are turning their backs on God because like, this, this is him. This is the one true God, and you're going for that other stuff. And he says, he says Israel, which also I believe he's talking to us too, is like, you, you've done two evils. The two evils you've done is number one, you have abandoned me the fountain of living water. 
You've abandoned me, the fountain of living water. So he's saying in the spiritual, I'm like living water. I'm the only thing that can satisfy that thirst that your heart has, that your soul has. I'm the only thing. You've abandoned me. And the second thing that you've done is you've traded me for broken cisterns. Cisterns are kind of like wells. They would dig them in the ground and they would fill them with water to hold water. And you've, you've traded me for something that that's, has a limited supply of water and it's broken. It's leaking. And so we, we so naturally have a propensity to leave the fountain and go to something that's broken because we want to drink from something else, only realizing that we're about to be left with dirt, about to be left with nothing. And, it's, and, and listen, it's his jealousy that causes that thing to be broken because he so wants us to come back to the fountain of living water. Hey Amen. I'm preaching. I don't know if you're listening, but I'm, I'm trying to get after it this morning. Now, God, God is so jealous for us. He's jealous for you. He's not jealous over you. Like he doesn't need anything from you. Like you can't add anything to him. Like you think your bank account is gonna add anything to the king of kings? Like he owns it all, buddy, right? right? You think your gifts and your talents, like he's the originator of the gifts and the talents. Like we don't add anything to him. He's not jealous over him. He's jealous for us. He's jealous for us. Just like if you're a parent in the room, you're jealous for your children's attention. Just like if you're a husband in the room, you're jealous for your bride's attention. He's jealous for the attention of his bride. He's jealous for the hearts of his children and he will go at any length to get them. And he did. He came from heaven and laid his life down on the cross. That's how jealousy is for us. He burns with a holy jealousy. It's his jealousy that ensures nothing else will satisfy. It's his grace, his love, and his mercy that assures that no other lover will satisfy us. It's his jealousy that ensures that none of the things that we leave him for, none of the idols that we leave him for will ever bring us eternal satisfaction. Ever, ever, ever. Man, he's so good. We've got to know, Scripture says God is not like man. His love is not like our love. His jealousy is not like our jealousy. It, it's, it is holy. His jealousy is holy. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5 says, Our maker is our husband. Our maker is our husband. Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 5, is, is the Lord telling us that he loves us when we are at our darkest. When we are at our darkest. I want you to know now that God doesn't love you any more because you've been walking with him for 20 years than you did before you got saved. He doesn't love you anymore. He loved you just as much back then as he does now. And it's that love that won you over. And it's that love that continually wins you over. Come on. <laughs> now, I, I think of the story of, of Hosea and Gomer. A prophet in the Old Testament named Hosea God comes to him in chapter one and says, Hosea, I want you to go marry a lady of the night. I want you to go marry a prostitute. I want you to go marry a woman who's selling her body. And I want you to make her your bride, which if I'm Hosea, I'm going, what? Marry who? The man of God, the holy man. Go marry what? Go marry a prostitute. And then he says, and she's going to leave you. You're going to marry her. You're going to woo her. She's going to be your bride. And then she's going to go back to her old, old ways. Shh. No, thanks. <laughs> what makes it worse is uh, they get married and have kids. And the, ki the, the names of the kids are um, uh, not loved and not my people. That's what they have to name their children. Wow. Right? That's really bad. <laughs> That's pretty tough. 
And then you get to chapter three and verse one, and it says that, basically says that, that Gomer has left and God tells Hosea, go get her. Go get your bride who's with another lover. That's how it says it. Go get your bride who's with another level, lover. And in verse two, he gets there and it says that he buys her back. I'm sorry, that's my wife. But he buys her. He, buy, he, he buys what's already his. Listen, in this story, God is Hosea, we are Gomer. He marries us and we leave and we go back and we essentially commit adultery on him and he comes and what does he do? He buys us with his son. He buys that which he already owns. Come on. In his great jealousy, even when we're with other lovers, he still comes and he gets us. Even when we bow down to other idols, he still comes and he gets us. And you may be thinking, well, you know, well, I'm not, I'm not committing adultery or I'm not, you know, I'm not committing, you know, some kind of great sin, but we all, we all have the propensity to, to, to build little idols in our hearts. Well, I'm not building actual idols, but, but, but we do. Like how much FaceTime? I mean, I'm talking to me too, man. Like how much FaceTime do, I, do we give these things? How much, time does, how much time does Netflix? You know, what, you just look at, you know, look at your checkbook. Where does your money go? We, we, we all have the propensity to build little idols and God says, I'm still coming for you. In his goodness, he comes and he rescues us from those things because we, we go to those things and then they don't satisfy us. They leave us empty and they leave us broken and he comes and he rescues us from those things because he is jealous for us. And he comes and... <laughs> And he comes in goodness. Romans 2, 4 says, don't you know that it's the goodness of God that leadeth men into repentance? It's not fear of judgment. It's not fear of judgment. 1 John 4, perfect love casts out all fear because fear carries with it the anticipation of judgment. We love to quote perfect love casts out fear, but the second part of it is because it carries with it the anticipation of punishment. But your punishment's been taken, friend. Jesus got the whipping that you and I deserved. He got the death that we deserved. It's already been taken for us. He laid his life down for us. And so there's no punishment. He took it and he woos us with goodness. Listen, I sat at youth camp when I was in seventh grade and I had the 10 foot long finger pointing in my face telling me to turn or burn. It didn't work. It scared me. And anybody can be a good little soldier for a while. But fear of spankings don't win people's hearts. Love does. Perfect love does. Perfect love does. And, I, and as we were singing that Egypt song today, God took me back, and many of you have heard my testimony before, but he took me back to when I was in college and I was working at that barbecue restaurant and the Holy Spirit came and he grabbed me when I was on shift, on duty, and I was in the back and I was in, in, in the pit where we cooked the meat and the Holy Spirit came and God wrapped his arms around me and he didn't wrap his arms around me and squeeze me and tell me, I can't believe you did that. You're so nasty. You're so perverted. You're so dirty. I can't believe you're such a, you're such a loser. I can't believe you're acting this way. You need to get your act cleaned up so that you can be with me. That's not what he did. He came and he wrapped his arms around me and he said, I'm your dad. I'm Abba. And I've got so much more for you than what you're doing right now and I want to set you free. And he actually told me that he was going to make me a father to sons who didn't have fathers. That's what won my heart. Not shame. Not guilt. Not condemnation. Not a spanking. It was perfect love that won my heart. 
John 15, John 15, when Jesus looks to his disciples and he begins to talk to them about abiding and remaining in him, and then he goes into, he says, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll obey me. And, it's, and man, it's not like a, it, you know, it's not a, uh, uh, like a works thing. It's not like if you, like it, it's not, and it's not a judgment and it's not a fear thing. It's like, if you love me, like you'll obey me. But if you don't obey me, you don't love me. He doesn't say that. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me. But what he, the way that he's saying it is, if you love me, you'll obey me. Because obedience is a natural byproduct of the love. I find when, I find when, I, when, when I'm more present with my kiddos and I'm connecting with them and I'm loving on them and I'm spending time with them and I'm doing things with them and I'm seeking to win their heart, they listen to me a lot better. They're much more obedient than when I've been busy, when I've been frustrated, when I've been angry, when I've taken my crap from the day out on them. Sorry, I know you're not supposed to say that. Pulpit, bad word, naughty word, Josh, don't say that. Take it out on them. We'll probably get an email about it. It's okay, we won't read it. <laughs> God bless you. I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Miss. Miss D is my biggest fan. She says I'm the cutest, so nobody else's opinion matters. <laughs> it's one of my spiritual mamas right there. <clears throat> um. What was I saying? When, when, I'm, when I take my frustration out on them and I try to, and I, and I just threaten them with beatings and spankings and whatever, it's, it's, so much, it's so much more frustrating. It's so much harder to get them to obey because there's not a love connection there. Men, when talk about when you're, when you're pursuing your wife, when you're laying your life down for your wife, when you're, when you're doing the dishes, when you're helping with dinner, when you're helping the kiddos, when you're serving her because of her value and because of your love for her, Intimacy is a byproduct of that. God bless you. It's the same thing with the Lord. When it's out of love, when we love him, we'll obey him. He's jealous for us. And, and, and I know we're talking about like he's our husband and he's our father and different things, but I want you to know, he, his, again, his jealousy is not like our jealousy. He's not going to treat you like a jealous ex but a good husband, a good father. He's not going, God's not going to use you, manipulate you, abuse you, and reject you. He and his jealousy is going to woo you with his goodness. The story of Hosea and Gomer is the gospel. When we turn away, he's still jealous for us. When we leave the house, he's still jealous for us. When we sin, when we blow it, when we choose other lovers, he's still jealous for us. When, you're, when you've been rejected, abused, he's jealous for you. And, it, and I want to say this, man, you got to see God doesn't, God doesn't cause the rejection. He doesn't cause the hurt. He doesn't cause the wound. But man, if you'll let him, he'll use it. If you let him, he'll use it. And every wound and every rejection and every stab in the back, I, would, I wouldn't take back. Because if that hadn't happened to me, I wouldn't know him like I know him right now. I wouldn't know him like I know him right now. If I wasn't rejected by man, I wouldn't know him like I know him right now. And you got to see the grace of God and the rejection of men because what it's meant to do is it's meant to cause you to lean in. It's meant to cause you to get closer. And man, I, my office is back here in this youth center and, and, and I, I have cried so many tears. Shocker, I've cried Oh, Josh, you're a basket case. 
I've cried so many tears on that rug, and I wouldn't take back one of them. Because every tear got me close to him. And it caused me to lean into him when there was nobody else to lean on. So when you're rejected, it's because he's jealous for you. And when you're hurt, it's because he's jealous for you. And when you've been manipulated, it's because he's jealous for you. And when you've been lied about, it's because he's jealous for you. And when everybody else has walked away, it's because he's jealous for you. When you feel shameful and dirty and unworthy, he's jealous for you. When you've blown it big time and it's 100% your fault, (laughs) he's jealous. He's jealous. Don't listen to shame. Don't listen to the, 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 shame keeps us out of his presence. Shame keeps us away from him. Shame is the lie that he feels differently about you because you blew it and it's simply not true. Don't let the shame of your past. And, and, and I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us spend a lot of time bringing up things to God that he doesn't, he's not even aware of, he hasn't even thought about. Why? Because your sins have been taken away. They've been forgiven. They've been cast as far as the east is from the west and the east and the west never meet. You're, oftentimes I think we spend time in prayer reminding God of things that he has no idea what you're talking about. That's his goodness, right? Come on, man. That's his good. Shame is the lie. It's the lie that we must hide the most diseased parts of ourselves from the only thing that has the power to heal them. Shame, like the lie of shame says that you've got to do these things and you've got to get cleaned up so that you can come back into his presence. And that's not true, man. You don't get cleaned up to come back into his presence. Grace encounters you wherever you're at. And sometimes we think, okay, well, he encountered me there like 20 years ago when I was acting really bad, he encountered me there. But now that I've been doing good for so many years and now that I've blown it, he's got, he can't be expecting me to blow it. So now he must be frustrated with me. He's not frustrated with you. He's jealous for you. Listen, conviction is not condemnation. Just because the Holy Spirit convicts you of something, the Holy Spirit is not telling you that you are that thing. That's condemnation. Condemnation says that you are the perversion. Conviction says, nobody, you slipped up into the perversion, come out of it and back into the house. I've got so much more for you. That's what conviction says. Come on. Mark chapter, uh, uh, chapter one, verse 40, it, it talks about the story of, uh, of where Jesus encounters a leper early in his ministry. And if, you've watched the, if you haven't watched The Chosen, shame on you. You're like, oh, we're not supposed to talk about shame. Paul wrote in Corinthians, he said, I'm saying this to shame you. So if you haven't watched The Chosen, I'm saying this to shame you. Watch The Chosen, it's amazing. But, the, but one, of the, one of the early episodes is where, right, it's so good. Everybody that's seen it is shaking their head like, yes, it's amazing. But uh, there, there's this episode where he, where he embraces the leper, where he, where he, he walks towards the leper. And more than anything in scripture, what gets related to our sin nature is leprosy. And so in this story, we see that we see the leper comes and, and, and the rabbis had rules that if a leper came within like 300 paces of anybody, they had to scream out, unclean, unclean, unclean. This leper comes to Jesus and says, I know that you can heal me, but if you're willing to heal me, I know that you, I know that you have the power to, but will you heal me? And it says that compassion rose up on the inside of Jesus. And he said, I'm, of course I'm willing and, and, and scripture says that he touched him, but the word for touch doesn't mean just like 
you know, little, little dab of oil. The word for touched means that he embraced him. That he, that he completely took him into himself. That, he, that the, the word means that he attached himself to it. One of the Greek lexicons says it's like a piece of wood being set on fire. Once the stick is completely on fire, it's burned. And that's what the all-consuming love of God looks like, is that he embraces us and his all-consuming fire burns all the way through us and it pushes out all of the leprosy. This man hadn't been touched in decades He would have been oozing. He would have been nasty. He would have had body parts missing. And Jesus can't say, of course I'm willing. Of course I'm willing. But oftentimes when when, when we have blown it, we think, I know that he can deliver me from this, but I don't know that he wants to. Because I'm 40 years old. I'm 45 years old. I'm 50. I'm 60 years old. I should be over this by now. But he says, I'm willing if you'll let me come close. And I imagine that that man probably was taken back, probably even like, like, no, don't touch me. And that's oftentimes what we do with our sin. It's like, no, don't touch me, Lord. You can't make him dirty. He makes you holy. See, like, like in the old, like in, in these times, like leprosy, if somebody with leprosy set someone else with leprosy, they now had leprosy. So at the very least, Jesus was getting leprosy. But no, Jesus, was he's so powerful and he's so holy. In that embrace, healing comes to the man and he gets sozoed. He doesn't just get healed from leprosy. He gets healed from everything, all the way down to his heart. Come on. But the problem with our hearts, oftentimes, 1 John, are y'all with me? Am I losing you? 1 John chapter, some of you are like, yeah, come on, wrap it up. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 talks about how that when we come into the presence of God that it's our hearts that condemn us it's our hearts that cause us to feel guilty and feel shameful and then it says but God is greater than our feelings right because the the fact may be that you blew it but the truth is is that you are the righteousness of God in Christ he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ The truth is that you're no longer guilty because his jealousy was so, was so strong that he gave you his righteousness. And, and listen, you're never gonna get healed from a distance. You're never gonna get healed from an idea. You're, listen, you're not gonna get healed from this sermon. You're only gonna get healed by his embrace. You only get healed when you let the jealous love of God come and wrap his arms around you. It's the only thing that brings healing. It's the only thing that brings freedom. You're not going to get it from your favorite worship song. You're only going to get it from the presence of Jesus. It's closeness to Abba. It's closeness to your, your jealous bridegroom that's going to bring you healing. We've got to get to the place where we believe that he is love. And you are loved. You are loved. You are loved. I've got so much. Lucas, are y'all wanting to play something? I saw the band scaring around. Hey, yeah, come on, dude. <clears throat> the switch that the switch that I want to make as we end is is we we move from being encountered by a jealous God and we become a jealous people. 
we move by being, when we are encountered by a jealous God, we then become a jealous people. When we come in contact with God, when we come in contact with his love, his grace, and his mercy, and his freedom, all I ever want people to know is his freedom. All I ever want people to experience is his love, and his grace, and his mercy like I have experienced. And so I, uh, uh, 1 Peter 2, 9 says that we become a peculiar people. A peculiar people. Not weird, right? Well, I guess some of us are a little weird. That's okay if you're weird. He loves your weirdness. Peculiar, though, meaning belonging only to him. That word actually means being exclusively his and no one else's. And when we are encountered, we become a peculiar people, we belong to him, and then we begin to burn for the things that he burns for. We begin to long for the things that he longs for. I'm gonna read something to you real quick. This is by J.C. Ryle. He says, a jealous man in religion is preeminently a man of one thing. He only sees one thing. He cares for one thing. He lives for one thing. He is swallowed up in one thing. And that one thing is to please God. Whether he lives or whether he dies, whether he has health or whether he has sickness, whether he is rich or whether he is poor, whether he pleases man or whether he gives offense, whether he is thought wise or thought foolish, whether he gets blame or whether he gets praise, whether he gets honor or gets shame. For all this, the jealous man cares nothing at all. He burns for one thing. And that one thing is to please God and advance God's glory. For he is consumed in the very burning and he cares not for it because he is content. He feels that like a lamp he has made to burn. And if consumed in the burning, he has done the work for which God has appointed him. So as we end today, two things I want to pray for. Two things I want to pray for. Number one, you need an encounter with a jealous God. You need an encounter with the jealous love of God. There is something that you're fighting for. There's something that you need freedom from. And friend, I want to let you know, he can set you free. How do I know that? Because he set me free. He set me free and he still sets people free. I think a lot of people have dumbed down the gospel because they think that he doesn't set people free like he used to set free. But literally, like he rescued people from Egypt, he can rescue from pornography. He can rescue you from greed. He can rescue you from whatever situation that you have put yourself in. He still rescues. He wants to heal you all the way to the bone. It's not that you're better at managing it now than you used to be better good at managing it. It's that it's completely gone, that it's no longer even a temptation for you. That's how much he wants to embrace you and set you free this morning. The second thing is I believe that we've lost a love for people. As we fall in love with a jealous God and as we kind of go throughout our Christian life, we begin to kind of, the fire begins to burn out and we don't really... We're not really jealous for people to encounter God like we used to be jealous for encountering God. And, and, and I fall into it. I fall into it or I get kind of complacent just with mine and his relationship and my ministry and, you know, kind of going through the motions and like, yeah, people know that I'm a Christian and people whatever. Listen, people need an encounter with Jesus. And God has sent you into your family, into your workplace, into your school, into this community, into this state, into this nation to give people an encounter with Jesus. He wants to use this church to be a city on a hill. And there are many people who think they're right with God and they're not. 
And so oftentimes I think we walk through Walmart, we walk through the grocery store, we walk through work and we think, yeah, you know, people are good, they go to church. Just because someone goes to church doesn't mean they're a Christian. People need an encounter with the love of God. And so I wanna stir that love up in our hearts again. And, 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 and listen, I'm talking to me too because I get complacent and I get cool and I just kind of go through the motions. But every time I do, moments like this come where a jealous king comes. And if, we're living in, if you're living in the kingdom, the jealous king is always gonna come and he's always gonna whisper, there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. Will you stand with me? Lucas, I don't even know what you want to play or what you want to do, but I'm just going to, huh? Okay. Do lift you high, and then uh, can, and then maybe could we do Egypt again? Okay. Maybe, uh, Colton, do you want to slap some drums for us? Be awesome. We'll play all day if you want. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> close your eyes Holy Spirit right now I ask that you would come and that you would encounter people I ask that you would come and that you would encounter people come and wrap your arms around people thank you for listening to the CMC podcast if you'd like to watch our sermons live or looking for more information about our church visit cmcchurch.com or follow us on Facebook at Christian Ministries Church.